You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Indians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis of 24-7 Sports. Over on 24-7 Sports, you can see my piece on the qualifying offer. I discuss why, I mean, while the class this year is huge, it's interesting because there will be no picks uh, given before, kind of in that like first round range. It's not really the first round, but between the first round and the compensatory uh, or the competitive balance picks, there's no compensatory round this year. The all seven teams left would get their picks on uh, day two of the. Uh, I'm sorry, they'd still get it on day one, but it'd be those last picks at the end of the day on day one. So, and we've already had one player sign, Will Smith going to the Braves. Two players accepted. A lot of stuff to talk about, so I did a whole piece on it. Check that out over at Scouting Baseball. So originally I was going to talk about the Brewers tonight, talk about an interesting piece I saw on um, by Randy Miller in the, a New Jersey New Jersey paper that actually had realistic expectations of what a Lindor or Kluber deal would look like. I'm actually very tempted by the Kluber deal, so I'll mention it quickly, which would be flipping Kluber for Anjouar and Debbie Garcia, and then like a third piece like Jonathan uh, Lazagia. If you say his name, basically a depth arm, or a Gill, the hard-throwing uh, right-hander. The reason this one tempts me is, you know, Kluber is, uh, the Indians don't have a lot of control left with him. Uh, the, if he rebounds, great. If he doesn't, he has no value because of uh, the monetary involvement. I mean, they can let him go for um, a buyout. I believe he has two years left. But the fact that the Indians would be able to get a guy who could help their pen this year and in the future, and another guy who might be a first base only, but you can live with him at third for a year, uh, you know, figuring things out for this team. That's enough to make me intrigued. You know, it makes sense for the Yankees in their guard that they have all these pieces, and, you know, Andrew R. doesn't really have a spot for them. Where is he going to play next year? Trying to condense them down and, you know, buying low on a starter who doesn't preclude, preclude them from going out and then signing one of these big names in free agency. Kluber, you can slot in, and if he bounces back, and you've got Servino and Kluber and Garrett Cole, I mean, that's going to be nasty. And that's why it would make sense for the Yankees. And even for the Indians, while these aren't my favorite targets, I think it makes sense as well. But um, Mike Bobel, the mad thinker, I've talked about him before, he sent me an email, and I hadn't really had a chance to look online today, and that Major League Baseball has expressed a desire to cut their minor league affiliates eliminating nearly 25% of the minor league teams. There's a lot to unpack here. Um, my first thought was, well, they don't want to, they're going to start paying players more. They don't like the bad optics on that. So how do you save money while increasing payroll, cutting the number of teams? And when you read through this, that definitely seems to be part of the point. Um, the other point seems to be making teams less valuable to own. Now, owning a minor league baseball team is not a big thing but a lot of the names connected to teams are big names and you don't own a minor league team because of the uh the cachet it brings you you own it because it's actually a pretty good investment the teams are going to play the coaches they're going to play the players you have to take care of some of the staffing and you know there's a major league baseball teams kind of lease those teams out to you there's basically it's, it's a good monetary investment there's a reason why some guys own multiple teams. It's, it's a good place to store your money. So this investment is kind of bonkers, or this uh, this plan, on a lot of levels. So 
let's talk about from the Indians. According to this, one of the teams on the block would be the Mahoning Valley Scrappers. A big part of the reason there is they'd basically be getting rid of all short season teams. Um, I'll get into the draft stuff in the second half, as this has a big effect on the draft and introduces the idea of something called a Dream League, which also I'll get to in the second half of this podcast. But, uh, you know, for the Indians, only lose one team isn't bad. It was going through Cincinnati Reds would basically have every team but the Dayton Dragons gotten rid of. They would lose four affiliates in this one. Um, part of the loss of the Mahoning Valley is short season. The other part of the loss is going through. It's like a lot of those Pennsylvania teams are just gone. Like the, the Erie Seawolves are a team that's listed to be uh, to cut back on. And the crux of this seems to be that Major League Baseball, basically the biggest um, position of strength you have as a minor league owner is all these are two-year deals. So you can kind of put a team over a barrel, especially if you have good facilities, because affiliates um, for those teams, the Major League teams, want to have their players with good facilities. They also want to have nearness. Um, That's why Cleveland slowly but surely moved all their affiliates except for one to the Ohio area because it used to be much more spread out all over. But this, you know, allows their guys to get there quicker. They can kind of send their scouts around or their roving coordinators. It makes life easier. But if you are, um, you know, the owner of the Akron uh, Rubber Ducks, for instance, you know the Indians want to keep that. That's always kind of gives you this advantageous position every two years to negotiate a better deal. Major League Baseball wants to kind of get rid of that and be like, these deals have to be longer lasting. In addition to the deals having to be longer lasting, they're basically telling teams that have subpar facilities, like, you're going to get cut. We're tired of subpar facilities. It's going to be the end of uh, the line for you. And it's also, um, Mike sent me a piece from New York Times. Baseball America has a really great piece on this. I would recommend, I'm going to send you to Baseball America, read their piece. It really hits all the points, um, even alluding to some of the things that were kind of my initial thoughts when I heard about this and read the New York Times piece, which is a lot more bare bones. But it talks about how MLB teams have started buying minor league baseball teams because they're tired of the negotiations. And, you know, this is basically they're going to go into this meeting. Um, It's been a long time since uh, they've had any type of contention between this, uh, the major league and the minor league baseball teams. And the the teams are going in there with, you know, like a chainsaw, basically. I mean, they are really putting it against these uh, minor league teams. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I mean, there could be some degree of compromise. One of the things I talked about in here that's kind of crazy, for instance, is that, like, they would shift teams around. Um, and if you were to move from AAA to AA, the change in value is $5 million, so you would pay that to the team, basically, that then shifted from... Uh, if you move from AA to AAA, you would have to pay $5 million to the team that moved down. The problem with this, and again, Baseball America is very good about pointing this out, the, the value between being a triple-A and a double-A team, that doesn't exist anymore. That's an outdated concept. Now it's kind of about, like, the value is more in, um, you know, the facilities there. Are fans coming? You know, there are parks that fans go to more than others. Um, things like that. It's not about being a double-A team anymore. It's not about triple-A. You know, I think fans don't really... They just like to go there. I don't think anyone's going because these are the guys who are going to be up soon. And, you know, the... It's our only chance to maybe see them. That doesn't exist anymore. You can read about these guys all the time. There's a lot more avenues to finding out about minor league players. So, yeah, the part of this whole thing that Major League Baseball put together is a really outdated idea that in and of itself is going to have to be either axed, changed, or just completely redone because it does not work. It, it doesn't make any sense at all. 
Something that does make sense, though, is BlueChew.com, our constant sponsor. Um, if you like this podcast, go over there. At least give them some web traffic. You own that much. This is a free podcast, and Blue Chew helps keep it that way. Uh, BlueChew.com is male enhancement. You know what male enhancement is. It's a little blue pill that is chewable, so it gets in your bloodstream quicker, allows you to do what you want quicker. If you've ever been curious about male enhancement, if you've ever used male enhancement, we have this great deal. We have worked out with Blue Chew, where you go there, you use the promo code MLB, and you will get to try it for free. You have to pay five bucks for shipping. It's not much. It's hardly anything. So you're going to pay your five bucks. You can try it, see what it's all about. Helps us on the show. It helps us with future sponsors showing, hey, you know, this is a viable uh, website, these podcasts. You're going to have people listening who are going to use your product. So remember, bluechew.com, promo code MLB. That lets them know we sent you. So I want to talk about the draft in the second half here. What's interesting is that they talk about moving the draft back to July. From a personal point of view, I would love and hate that. There's kind of a nice thing about it just finally being done. Like when June hits, I am so glad for the draft to be done. Um, extending that season to July, just, I mean, going from February to July as draft season just makes me kind of want to punch myself in the face. Like I hate that idea. As someone who covers it, like it's going to turn into... <laughs> half a year of draft talk um it's not that big to make that work uh but on the other side i'm like well if it's in july i never have to worry about a conflict with teaching which right now um as i move to wisconsin i'm gonna have to figure out exactly i may not be able to cover every single day of the draft so i'm i have some feelings on that both ways the thing i do like better is something a few years ago i would have hated which is dropping the draft to 20 or 25 rounds I think 25 is kind of the ideal one. We still see a lot of guys kind of in that 20 to 25th range. The teams are targeting. It's not really until after the 25th round that we start seeing teams start punting picks, you know, drafting family members and stuff like that. We'll probably still see that in the new one. But the basic idea is to cut down. Um, When I first started covering the draft, it was 50 rounds. And even that had been pared down. I mean, was it Mike Piazza was a 42nd round pick or was he in the 60s? Whatever he was, you know, he was one of those family picks. Um, kind of a famous one that turned into a, a future Hall of Famer. But in terms of the draft, just from my perspective, it just, man, on day three, I'm not, I'm I'm worn out. Uh, fans aren't as interested. And I know in terms of my content, um, I don't know as much. And fans just don't care as much. So it's, I'd be totally up for par- parsing the draft down anymore. But this is where it gets interesting. So they we talked about the fact that they want to cut 42 teams well then they want to have this deal with ml with the major minor league baseball and major league baseball to have the quote-unquote dream league so here's how the dream league would work players would make uh, very little so these guys would be exempt from if the mlb makes new rules basically saying we have to pay minor leaguers more this wouldn't count the mlb would still be organizing these teams Um, of college players um, or just anyone who wasn't drafted who wants to go there and supposedly MLB teams would kind of be like oh we'd like to see more of this guy go there it's kind of like the old draft and follow approach and we still see that sometimes when like someone who is draft eligible goes to the Cape and plays really well sometimes those guys get signed that does happen a few guys every year that happens too as a matter of fact so these guys would go there they would not they'd be exempt from any big uh, amount of money if there's an increase Teams would split the money, but basically whoever's operating those teams would also have to uh, fit flip some of the bill. 
and we don't know how many teams there would be, but if you are an MLB team and someone down there is playing well, um, you can then purchase them from the Dream League for $5,000, which I don't know if that would go to the player, to the team, if it's split. But basically, we're going to cut all these teams, but then we're going to bring them back and set them up specifically so we don't have to pay the players. So yeah, we're going to increase minor league uh, uh, salary, which is great. But then we're going to set up this model where we still don't have to play a subset. And then it's also like the idea being that, you know, there's already independent baseball and we already mine that for talent. Let's just let's pay less players. Let's have them go and make very little in independent ball. And if they prove themselves there, we'll sign the talent away. It's kind of putting more of the onus on independent baseball for some of these guys. Um I mean, not all of them, obviously, but there is more talent that's going to make it to those independent teams, and there will be more people paying attention to independent baseball, which will be both the good and the bad, but it's also going to push guys further down. Um, it'll be interesting to see if this occurs, how that happens. The idea being that, you know, there's normally a guy you take in the 26th round, 27th round is more of a backup type for you, uh, that that guy's now going to go and maybe get a, a chance to start for an independent team. If he succeeds, great. If he fails... Well, it didn't cost you anything. So, yeah, it is it is a way to shift the onus on some of these costs and to basically use them. Independent baseball, which MLB doesn't have any, like, they don't own those teams. There's no connection to those teams. Using independent baseball as a cheap alternative. It's like, hey, this thing already exists. Let's take advantage of it more. And that seems to be kind of the approach here. Like, we're going to axe our teams. We're going to have less players, less coaches, less staff. We can then use that extra money to bring up salaries just a little bit. And then we'll we'll let independent baseball um, pay for these guys. And if we like them, if there's any talent, we'll sign them away. Uh, yeah. And I will say, you know, moving up the draft means specifically there's really not much reason for independent or the short season baseball. It would be curious to see how they would work this Dream League, just because if you're moving it up to, to something like July and your signing period, you assume is going to August, like, does the Dream League become fall ball? Like, is this something in the southwestern United States the MLB is lately affiliated with, but essentially becomes fall ball and something they can also then market and sell? I mean, there's some value in having a, a fall ball type of league that you can put on the MLB network, right? that you can put on when there's no other baseball. Um, kind of like the equivalent of, you know, the Winter League baseball that we see in Latin American stuff, but instead having a, a version of that for players who were just drafted. Um, it would be very exploitive to play these, pay these guys almost nothing and then use it that way. But if there's one thing you've seen with Major League Baseball and players, it's, you know, exploitation at those lower levels is, is very common. So... Yeah, this, in its current form, this isn't going to work. Um, major, minor league baseball teams are going to fight this to the death. The fact that they're saying we're going to cut 25% of all minor league baseball teams and we're going to take away your biggest bargaining chip and we want you guys to be, we want to make a new league, but we want you guys to help pay for it. Um, I don't, I mean, this whole proposition, they are basically putting their foot on the neck of these minor league owners and... I mean, they went hard in every category. It's not like they kind of, okay, we're going to make a big point here and pull back. They went hard everywhere. This is just like every conceivable way you could put the pressure on a minor league owner. They did here. 
and it's that this is going to be normally you go to San Diego and they have you know the minor league major league meeting and it's not a big deal this year it's going to be something to watch this is going to be maybe the most contentious thing we see and then once major league base so and part of me feels like this is like a warm-up for the owners like we're going to have this really contentious content yeah really contentious meeting um where they are just like i said putting their foot on the neck of these owners and then in like another year the cba expires and they're going to have more contention this is like the warm-up this is their this is the pre-fight i guess you know before they they have the title bout it is going to be fascinating to watch what happens here i mean the this is basically the biggest change the minor leagues have ever seen in the modern era what is proposed here blows anything that has ever happened out of the water this one proposal would change the minors in a way that we have never seen to a degree we have never seen and it again it's just absolutely fascinating and what we're seeing here is that uh the mlb teams and you know it was it the houston astros cut back recently and felt like they didn't need as many teams whereas a team like the yankees have eight minor league teams and if you're wondering too about like well how does this affect like the arizona teams i think you would still have those arizona teams but it says that basically you could have somewhere between 150 to 200 players in your minors. I think the Yankees, it said in that same article on Baseball America, have over 300. So you'd see some massive cuts coming. I do wonder, like, how many senior signs would get cut within a month of signing um, just with the new approach if you can only have a limited number of guys. Um, and those guys are always non-priority for the most part. It, it, you know, it's certainly something to watch. Um, you would not have... The guys who are sticking around, you know, the the thirty year old playing in AAA, I don't think we'd see that so much anymore. Um, those guys, you know, the Mike Hessmans that I remember played forever and just, you know, was respected and the like and a vet presence. I don't think you'd see because you don't want to carry someone like that when you have limited spots. Um, so even little things like that are would be massively changed. So yeah, pay attention to this. It's not the biggest story. I want to thank Mad Thinker for bringing it to, to light because otherwise I probably, like I said, I just I already had pre-prepared material. It's a Sunday. I don't, when I record this, I don't have as much, uh, I'm not diving as deep on the weekend, to be honest. So I had kind of pre-prepared material and then I was like, oh, let's change everything we're going to do tonight because this is important. This is, like I said, the biggest change, proposed change to minor league baseball we have ever seen. Minor league baseball is part of the lifeblood of major league baseball so it's in some ways one of the biggest changes we are going to have seen to major league baseball in a very long time and you know this this season already has so many changes upcoming with the expansion of rosters the changing of pitching rules baseball is very much evolving maybe more so than any other sport we're seeing right now because they're fundamentally changing the rules of the game this is another fundamental change for a sport that is in the middle of a metamorphosis we'll have to see what happens it is far from a dying sport remember the highest paid athletes on the planet are baseball players don't buy the hype there i always get very annoyed when i see the the end of of, uh, of baseball and i'm like would they have the largest guaranteed contracts of any sport it's, it's doing it's doing okay in its own right the owners are not losing money and they're not struggling no one is no one loses money owning a sports team I want to thank everyone for listening. I've been Jeff Ellis. You can find me on Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. You can find my writing at Scouting Baseball. You type that in. Just look for the one that uh, that's part of 24-7 Sports or Scouting Baseball 24-7 should get you there. Like I said, I have a piece up this week 
already went up on Friday as a matter of fact about the qualifying offer I have laid out my pieces on the 10 statistical players to kind of know that stand out for me amongst the college ranks and then I also laid out my top 10 uh, prospects normally I like to go to 11 because I don't like to go to like an arbitrary top 10 but in both cases it was just at 10 there was a significant drop so why reach for something less uh, for so I, I decided to go with 10 on each of those as always Thank you guys for listening. All you guys and gals are the best. And go tribe.